Hello and welcome back to the Unqualified Historian, the podcast for those who know nothing about history, like me, Becca. So this week, we're back to a short one. We're going to be discussing Machu Picchu. Side note, I once had a teacher who pronounced it like Machu Picchu, and I I cannot get this out of my head. So if I start slipping into that, I'm sorry if the way I pronounce it, Machu Picchu annoys you, I'm sorry, but that's what I'm going to go with. So what do we know about the Incas and Machu Picchu? Well, before researching the podcast, I didn't really know anything about it except from what the Emperor's New Groove told me. Why does all my history knowledge stem from Disney films? And Emperor's New Groove is basically just llamas, selfish, spoiled little emperors. There's a lot of rocks in that film. Like, I literally think Incas and I think rocks. Again, that might be like backed up by Machu Picchu. I don't really know, but let's see if there's any truth in that, shall we? So before we go on to Machu Picchu, let's look into the Incas. The Incas were the last group of the Andean civilizations and they emerged in approximately the 1430s and covered a really large portion of Western South America. They were like all up and down the Andes. They started to develop in small groups on the Cusco Valley, but then they joined with other small groups and they would build canals, terrace systems and buildings. And terrace systems, if you don't know, are like when you have a hill and you basically cut steps into the hill, the first thing that my mind goes to is, I don't know if it's something to do with like tea or rice, rice fields, but I feel like a rice field is just a field. I don't know if they use terracing for rice fields. But that's where my head goes. I don't know if that's where your head goes to, but if it does, yes, that's what it's like. The Incas were so good at building alliances, and if they couldn't build alliances, they'd use marriage or conquest instead. The Incas told a story of their own origin, and again, just like the story of Atlantis, there are different versions of this story. So I'm just going to briefly go through one that I found that seemed the most basic. So the story goes that there were four brothers and four sisters who came out of three caves about 30 kilometres south of Cusco. One brother is unpleasant, whatever that means, and the family is upset about this, so they tempt him back into one of the caves and block him in. Lovely. Another brother turns into stone on top of the cave to watch over him. The others move on and enter the valley of Cusco. One of the brothers has a golden staff, which will tell them where to live. And he, like, throws the staff... It lands in Cusco, and this establishes the kingdom at Cusco, and also cements their beliefs in the landscape being alive. They saw the landscapes as living beings carrying the blood and sperm of Mother Earth, and places had like full-on identities, not just names. And also their ancestors were a really important part of their society, so they would mummify people when they died. And they would bring them out at celebrations, they would feed them, they would talk to them. Like, the dead were really active in society, in a really morbid, creepy way. I actually think that's really sweet. That's really quite nice. Like, they're just, they're dead, but they're still there. Their spirit's still there. And, like, they just became, like, part of the landscape eventually, and they'd name places after people. It's all a bit intertwining. The Incans were a massive empire reaching about 250,000 miles. That is big. 
The main city was Cusco. Cusco is 3,000 metres above sea level, and they exploited the different ecological parts to grow food. Mountainous terrain meant that there were different climates, so they could grow maize, chilli, cotton, potatoes, and they'd grow those in the valleys, and then higher up they would farm their alpacas and llamas. So they used the terracing to take advantage of microclimates, and they also developed their own systems for preserving food. So, for example, with potatoes, they'd squeeze out the water and then, like, just literally repeat this process. They'd squeeze out the water, leave it for a bit, squeeze out some more water. And this would mean that they'd last for, like, ten years. And when they wanted to use them, they'd just rehydrate them to make some sort of ancient instant mash. How cool is that? They would also dry meat from llamas and alpacas, which was basically, like, beef jerky, but llama and alpaca jerky. Which, fair enough. The Incans had many gods similar to the ancient Greeks. They had a god for different things. They had one for rain, earthquakes, thunder, lightning, rainbows, wisdom, trees, water, etc, etc, etc. The sun and moon were important deities. Gold was seen as the sweat of the sun and silver was seen as the tears of the moon, which that just sounds so poetic. The sun was a primary ruler and like the object that the Incas would give sacrifices to so they would mainly sacrifice like llamas and alpacas and guinea pigs but if there was a significant change like a change in the Incan ruler or a natural disaster or an epidemic they would also sacrifice people and these typically included women and servants and children for the children in their eyes apparently it was basically like they were sacrificing something that was so important to them and that they really cared about which is a bit weird and a bit backwards. I just don't get that. I'll just never understand why that would be required by a god. But, you know, that's what they believed. So fun. The Incas were really, really organised. So they didn't have any money, even though, like, they obviously had the silver and gold. They didn't actually use it for money. They would trade goods or services instead. Their tax system was labour. So, for example, they'd be conscripted into the army. And after a few conquests, they had a really big army. And which meant they had an even greater chance of conquest. They were really successful at integrating the people that they'd conquered. And they had a really sophisticated political system. So, when they went on conquests, they knew if they needed to build bridges, how to prepare for it, just everything that they needed. They'd be so prepared to go conquer different places. And aside from some questionable religious practices, the Incans were pretty moral. They had three moral laws for behaviour, which were don't steal, don't lie and don't be lazy. <laughs> so I would have failed because I'm pretty lazy. Archaeology shows that they also moved around their empire, so they believed that they'd move people that might have started to become a bit more rebellious. So if people started to get a bit tetchy, a bit rebellious, they'd move them to be around people that were much calmer and submissive. Because they could find like different styles of pottery to confirm that that's what was happening. I don't know why they linked it with rebellious people, but there we go. The Incan communication system is called quipus, and they're basically just bits of knotted cord. And historians have been trying to crack this for a really long time, thinking it might give us more of an insight to Incan life, because there was no written language. This was there. This was what they kept their records on. But who knows? 
And there's a bit of a mystery about what was going on socially and culturally. And we've just basically been restricted to what the Spanish wrote about. And they'd probably do that, like, with their own agendas, really. So, interesting. Maybe they'll crack the code one day. I don't think they will. But maybe it'll give us some more insight into them. The Incas had different ages of marriage for men and women. Men typically married at 20 and women 16. Men of high social standing could have many wives, but those lower in the ranks could only have one. Typical. Marriages were typically a business agreement, and women took on the stereotypical chores a woman does, and a man took on the stereotypical traits of a man. However, marriages were usually beginning on a trial basis, and both the man and woman had a say if they thought it would work, and they could just end it and find someone else, which I think is pretty radical for the time. They could even get divorced if they didn't have any kids, so... Pretty forward thinking from the Incas, though. The Incas, as we know, were really good at building. They didn't have horses, they didn't have the wheel, so everything was transported on foot or by llamas, which are not known for their strength, and they also used wooden roller poles from trees. They used stone cobbles from the rivers and abrasives such as sandstones for their tools, and, like, it just seems like they really knew what they were doing. They did have some bronze tools as well that have been found, but like they knew how to use these tools because their bricks perfectly tessellate with each other. Like they didn't need to make some kind of mortar or anything to stick them together. They perfectly fit within each other. And that brings us on nicely to Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu is located in the Andes in Peru and is approximately just under 8,000 foot above sea level. It was declared as one of the seven wonders of the modern world, but what it was used for has puzzled historians for quite some time. We know it was built by the Incas in and around the 15th century, and other than the locals who knew of it, it was mostly forgotten. It was rediscovered by Hiram Bingham in 1911. Prior to this, people who took an interest in the area were looking for Inca gold, and they used dynamite to blow up old sites, similar to how people were robbing the Valley of the Kings after the kings were buried in Egypt. Hiram was said to have been a real-life Indiana Jones. In 1909, Bingham had gone up to Peru to visit one of the last Incan cities. Upon his return to the States, he received an article from a Peruvian student about other cities that he might want to visit, sending him back to find Machu Picchu. When he got there, it was very overgrown, but all the buildings were still standing, and he even found three families living there. By all accounts, he wasn't particularly impressed, but he came back regardless the following year to begin an excavation. He even hired local people to help clear the vegetation. But eventually things turned a bit sour and the local people got a dislike of him, and they accused Bingham and his team of stealing artefacts. They were taking artefacts, but openly and legally, for them to be displayed at the Yale Museum. The 1852 Civil Code of Peru stated that archaeological finds generally belong to the discoverer except when they've been discovered on private land. However, in recent times, they've since been returned back to Peru to be displayed at museums there. Machu Picchu had a long rectangular building outside the palace wall, which was likely used for feasting and dancing. It would allow royalty to display generosity, which would be very important for political strategy. Treat the people well and it will be reciprocated. Most of the farming was done in the typical income way through the terraces, but these terraces weren't only built for food, but also to protect from erosion and landslides from the mountain. So, as I said, Machu Picchu is a bit of an enigma in that we're not really sure what it was used for. Recent historians believe it was constructed for Emperor Pachacuti, 
Pachacuti? Pachacuti? I'm not sure. Um, but I've seen different names of emperors thrown about. I don't know if it's a variation on spellings or what, but could have been for an emperor, could not have been. Skeletal studies show that people from all over South America have been there, so it wasn't just one set tribe. It's expected it might have been used as a place of retreat and rest after they've been off conquering, but some people say it was used for religious reasons because the placement of parts of it line up perfectly with the sun. But people typically say it's a fortress, but that's probably just what they're comparing it with European castles, and it does look a bit like a castle or a temple. The stones of Machu Picchu were quarried from the base of the mountain, so they had to transport the stones up the mountain, likely on the pole system, but I don't think it's impossible that they use something that's since been lost in time. So, Machu Picchu is pretty amazing. And there's a theory called astronaut theory, which basically means it's so advanced that people then, with the technology that they had available, could not have built it. I mean... It is an active earthquake zone, and the buildings have withstood. How did they know, like, the maths for that? And you can't even fit, like, a piece of paper between the bricks that are that close together. And this obviously leads to a lot of theories about higher beings. So, one of the theories is that the Incas just found the basis of Machu Picchu and built on top of it. People tend to think this because Machu Picchu is located in a really difficult place. It's difficult to get to, it's difficult to grow things, it's difficult to get things there. It could have just been part of another civilization. Lots was lost and destroyed during the Spanish conquest. And given the time that the Incas were around and the technology that they had, it's just unimaginable that they could build something like that. Some also argue that the mummification process resembles that of Egypt, and how did they know to do the same thing? Like, how did places so far away in such different times know the same kind of thing? Some people naturally think aliens built it, because the oldest rocks are some of the biggest rocks, like they're the size of like a train car, but then the bricks at the top are much smaller. And some people argue just like what sane civilization would carry boulders that size up a mountain for no reason. But I mean, what sane civilization performs sacrifice? Like if they want to do it for religious purposes, they're going to get that stuff up there, aren't they? So that's why I don't really buy into these theories, even just for entertainment factor. It kind of is just a bit of an attitude of like they couldn't possibly have done it without any tools. And it's like, well, they did have tools. And they do seem to have been a really intelligent civilization. In 1526, Francisco Pizarro and his men explored south from Panama and reached the Incas. They were part of the Spanish army and they realised that they'd reached wealthy land. If you remember the first episode of Blackbeard, we spoke about how the Spanish were pilfering all the Incan gold. And in 1529, the Queen of Spain signed a charter allowing Pizarro to conquer the Incas. When they returned to conquer the lands in 1532, a war of succession was going on with the Incas, and there was a lot of unrest between themselves. Along with this, there was an epidemic of disease, which meant not only were the Incas vulnerable as their weapons couldn't affect the Spanish armour and they didn't have horses, but they were also suffering from disease and their own internal conflicts. However, while they were choosing someone to take over them, the Spanish were taking all their gold... And it was just just a bit of a nightmare. There were several confrontations and battles during the siege of Cusco, and in fifteen seventy two, the last Incan was executed. 
that's not to say that the Incans didn't put up a good fight. They definitely did, but what can you do? You know, there's people in armour on horses here. They've never even seen a horse before. And horses are, like, intimidating. They're supposed to, like, you know, control crowds and stuff. They're, like, an authoritative animal, I guess. So you'd be pretty scared if you'd seen one for the first time. The Spanish, however, never actually found Machu Picchu, but it was still abandoned just about 80 years after it was built. But perhaps it was just the Spanish presence in the area that spooked them, or someone could have brought smallpox into it, or maybe they had to go join the fight. Or, you know, aliens. So what do you think? Why do you think Machu Picchu was abandoned? Why do you think it was built? Who do you think lived there? Who knows? Thanks very much for listening. Please do follow for more history every week and please do leave me a review so I know if you hate me or whatever. Tune in next week when we'll be looking at the first King of England. Hint, it's not who you thought it would be. Thanks for listening. Bye!